11. We're going to be studying the first 13 verses today. Familiar words of Jesus. So Luke 11, and we will get to that in just a few minutes. Lately, I've noticed a pattern in my prayers for other people, a pattern that seems new to me. Maybe it's not, but for some reason, I found myself praying in specific ways for something I haven't necessarily prayed much before, or at least I don't remember it. For the past few months, when people have come to me for situations in their lives where they need God's guidance, which is about 100% of the time, that's why people come to me, right? I'm a pastor. I've been asking the Lord to help them depend on him more. Now, this has really been a pattern where I've earnestly asked God as we've bowed down before him together. I've asked that the Lord would give them a fresh wave of dependence on him, that they would rely on him in new ways because what they were facing necessitated a new kind of trust for them, that we believe that he's faithful and powerful and good, that we need his provision This week as I prayed again for someone seeking the guidance of the Lord, it struck me how often I've been saying that. The prayer has certainly been true for me in this new season of life. Many of you have been asking, Colleen, how are you doing in this transition? Taking the role of the new pastor, are you okay? Mostly, it's felt like daily manna from heaven. No matter how much I want to control everything and make sure that everything is going to be handled fine in the future, how much I want everything to be done all at once, God has kept me focused on the daily needs, which has the net effect of keeping me focused on him. And his faithfulness, I think that we could all testify, has been amazingly complete for everything that has happened for our body in these last few months. So maybe then it's no surprise that I'm praying for all of you to depend on God in new ways too, since that's at the forefront of my mind and where I'm attempting to live. But the truth that we all understand is that dependence on the Lord is difficult. First off, it's harder to truly trust God instead of just believing in our ability to handle things ourselves. Second, sometimes it might sting our pride that we can't do Everything and that indeed we do need help. And it's incredibly unknown. How are things going to work out exactly? What exactly is your plan for this? We want to know how and when and where. We want things to be settled now so that we can enjoy life and not really think about anything too hard. Maybe sometimes we think that's where rest comes from. We want to be assured that life is going to get easier and all that we want it to be. But that's heaven, not reality. So in the passage in Luke that we're going to read today, the disciples ask the Lord for help with prayer. While he teaches them and us how to talk to God, he imparts some deeper truths about what it means to depend on the Father. There are are some things that we can glean here about what dependence is. So let's read Luke 11, 1 through 13 together. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Oh, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't give up and get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or, if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let's pray. Father, we're here to listen. And so, Lord, please intervene and show us how we can best grow in you. Amen. Luke puts this section of dependence between two interesting bookends. On one hand, right before it, you have the story of Mary and Martha, two sisters who wanted very different things from Jesus when he came for a visit. In that exchange... Martha complains about how her sister is not helping and wants the Lord to chastise Mary. And Jesus affirms Mary's worship of him and her obvious dependence on him, telling Martha it would be better for her to do the same. On the other side of this teaching is Jesus driving out demons. When the crowd questions, how exactly is Jesus doing that miraculous work? Intimating that he is using evil power, Jesus reminds them that his power comes from above. This teaching is an example of how Jesus was dependent on the Father for all the work he did. So the reliance he taught his his followers was then something he put into practice. In this passage, I see at least four ways, maybe more, that we can grow in our dependence on God. Both through what is taught and also by what we can simply understand just by listening to what Jesus is saying. So let's dive in. The first aspect of dependence comes in verse 1, where the disciples ask the Lord to teach them to pray. They are evidently curious about prayer that they see him engage in. He's praying right here in this um, section. He goes off in solitude, and they want to know what words they should use to talk to the Father. I think what I love about this is that they're not afraid to show their ignorance. They're not afraid to say, we don't know how to do this. So one of the ways that we can depend on God is by being vulnerable with him. It was common for rabbis to have a standard prayer that they taught their followers to say. Here, Luke tells us that those 
um, who are learning from John the Baptist have a prayer and the disciples want one of those two. I was thinking that it's true that when we begin as believers, talking to God doesn't always come easily for us, especially if we didn't have a background where prayer was modeled. Some of our words might seem stilted or forced. Sometimes we can't imagine what we're going to say. I remember that the void kind of seemed like endless. Like, what, what exactly am I supposed to be doing here? But the disciples just put it out there. Can you teach us how to talk to God? Because maybe they didn't know how. Maybe they felt like their prayers when they gave them weren't being very effective. Maybe there was something missing that they wanted in their connection with him. All of us have things that we can still learn from the Lord. But do we acknowledge our need so that he can help us? We can pretend with other people that we have it all together. But with the one who made us, we can never pretend. Dependence is being vulnerable. It's scary sometimes to admit that we're lacking in a skill that we should have in our relationship with God. That we are lacking in a skill that we see comes easily to other people. And it takes work. But the alternative is worse. What happens if the disciples don't ask to learn how to pray? Well, maybe we don't have the Lord's Prayer recorded. But most importantly, they stay stuck. In whatever pattern they're working in that isn't working. And then they don't grow. They don't learn to nurture a deep connection like they see Jesus has with the Father. What is your learning edge with God right now? What are some ways that you feel like you could use his help? How open are you to asking for help? Sometimes when we hit a wall in our relationship with the Lord and we say, you know, he's just not there. You know, I just don't feel anything. I just don't even know like where he is. Sometimes we can then look inside and say, well, maybe there's something that we need to learn. We could do what the disciples did and ask him to teach us something that would be useful for us. Part of dependence is vulnerability. But being vulnerable gives us the tools that we need sometimes to make a breakthrough. And so let's keep asking for help. Secondly, in verses 2 to 4, we see that dependence means accepting God's provision for us. In this prayer, Jesus teaches, we see the world like he does. The truth he is conveying is that we need God for everything. Beginning with himself, what God offers us is sufficient for this life. We are dependent on him for the very air that we breathe. And certainly for the things listed here, which we know is not exhaustive. Jesus here teaches what will become a foundational prayer for his body in the generations to come. This one in Luke is a shortened version of one that we usually pray. The longer one is found in Matthew. There are some pieces that I want us to think about for a few moments here. First of all, this prayer is given in a communal way. Jesus says, give us our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. Lead us not into temptation. This is a prayer that's meant to be said not just in your heart 
or in the privacy of your homes, but aloud as we gather to worship God. We recognize that everyone, each person is part of the whole body and each of us share the common life of needing to depend on God. We live in the kingdom, which has not yet been fully realized, but also in a world where we're just passing through. And so as we kind of straddle both of those places, we need his help. And Jesus' words here show that we are dependent on him for basic food and water, the deeper soul needs of forgiving one another, as well as grace for our own sins, that we're dependent on him for protection. And these are all aspects of our lives that we understand come from him, but sometimes that doesn't stop us from fretting about them or worrying about how it is that we are going to have these things. This week, Doug mentioned that we had special time with our Cliff Drive kids, teaching them about the fruit of the Spirit. One day we taught them about peace. Now this is kind of an elusive concept to teach to smaller kids, and so Doug and I both used an object lesson. First of all, we started talking a little bit about worry, which is the opposite of peace. And so I said to them, they're four and five, do you know what worry is? And the first kid is like, um, uh, um, you know how they do that? Because they know something, but they are not quite sure they can quite get it out. So then we moved on. And this one little girl who is five raised her hand and she said, worry means to be scared. Uh, nailed it. That was actually better than my definition. So we talked a little bit about the things that they worry about. The dark, starting kindergarten, their parents being gone, friends being mean. I told them that Jesus said that we don't have to stay scared. That being scared is normal, but we don't have to stay scared because he's good and he's with us and he's going to help us. We talked about how he taught us that the lilies of the field were something that he helped and the birds of the air were things that the birds that he fed. And then I put a container and I said, uh, I put oil in the container and I said, this is what is like worry. Oil is kind of like worry. It's greasy and it stays with us and it made a mess. I said, if I pour this over my hair, do you know how long it's going to take me to get out of this hair? And then I put water in another container and I said, this is like trusting God. This is like dependence. Water is good for us. We need it to live. It cleanses us. And I, put, I made it blue so they could see it. And then we put it together and I said, do you think that these will mix? Oh yeah, those are going to mix. One kid goes, nope, they're not going to mix. He knew. And so as they separated out the blue water and the oil, I said, either we worry, which is the oil, or we trust God, but we can't, they can't really exist together in a mixed state for very long where one is the other one can't be. Jesus here is affirming God's provision. And in this prayer that he gives us as a model of how to talk to the father, he's asking us to trust the Lord, to have peace that God is going to provide in the ways that he says he will. So My question for you this morning is, what worry did you bring into the sanctuary today? All of us have worries. What worries did you bring in today? How can you leave the worries in the Lord's hands and depend on him in a new way? Because you know that he is trustworthy 
that he has given you things in the past. He has helped you in the past. And he will help you as you move forward. So what worries can you leave at the foot of the cross and, and say to the Lord, I'm having a hard time, but I know that trust and worry don't mix. Nothing comes from our hand alone. God is in every good gift and he will provide. So may we all learn to depend on his provision. Thirdly, we see in verses 5 through 10 that... Dependence means boldly asking for help. Jesus illustrates in a really funny parable that God can be trusted to respond to our prayers by telling a story about a person coming to the door of a friend at midnight. Culturally, there are some things that we need to remember here. Each family made bread for just one day's provision because it didn't last for the next day. Thus, the man's predicament. Also, Hospitality in this culture is paramount. If you are asked to help someone, even if it is a huge inconvenience, you do so without hesitation, you make it work. And the family typically all slept in one room. They had one room, they all slept together. So when the man on the inside tells his friend to go away because his children are asleep, I think it's funny because everyone's probably already awake, but he was just using that as an excuse. As I was reading this over again, I was thinking... I always picture myself as the inconvenience friend who is grumpy and doesn't want to get out of bed. But actually, I'm the one outside the door begging for help along with the rest of you. Jesus says here, it's not the bond of friendship that gets the man out of bed, but the shameless audacity of the person at the door. We understand that God is not the grumpy friend. The virtue that is being upheld here is be persistent in prayer. Don't give up when you pray. Jesus has given us a contrast. If even a person who is cozy asleep in bed will get up, even though they don't want to, how much more will a loving God respond to us? We show our dependence By boldly praying to God for the big and small needs in life that we have. Believing that he will answer. Jesus then continues and highlights what he is trying to convey in verse 9. The Greek there is imperative. So when you read it, you read, keep asking. Keep seeking. Keep knocking. Don't stop. At some point, God will give you what you are asking for. And he will open the door. As humans, we do persist, sometimes in a way that looks like we're putting our hope in what we need more than the God to whom we are praying. However, it is often the case as we continue that our focus will change from ourselves and we begin to think more about the God that we are seeking. The process of persistent prayer should change who we are if we let it. And our hearts are right. It changes what we know about God. Who reveals himself in sweet ways when we are desperate. By the time the door is opened, we may be like the man knocking or overwhelmed. That there is someone who actually might help us. That there is someone who is able to meet our needs and care for us. That we're not alone in our predicament. How thankful we then are. For that friend. Jesus gave a whole new version of God. One that for sure was known in the Old Testament. 
but not one that was completely accessible to the people in this way. In the whole exchange, through prayerful dependence on God, we become people whose needs then become intertwined with his purpose for us. And maybe when we get to the end of what it is that we have been persistently praying for, we have become changed in a way that God wants us to be. And our purposes are more aligned with his and not just what it is that we originally wanted. In the last piece of teaching, in 11 through 13, Jesus affirms that God is a good father who will give good things to his children and not to try to harm them. So there we see the dependence is leaning on God as a loving parent. Again, Jesus is giving us a contrast. What parent will give a snake instead of a fish? Those are kind of weird things. Or a scorpion instead of an egg? If humans being evil, and the word there really is evil, and we know how to give good things, how much more will God give? Jesus here uses a word for father like he does in the beginning of the prayer, which means that God cares for his children in an intimate way. He is the parent who delights in being there when his children need them. We have family ties with the Lord. He doesn't just give us things to comfort us. He gives us his very presence. Look what Jesus says in the very last line. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who seek him? When I was thinking about this section and praying about this this week, it made me remember when I was small and I would have a nightmare. And I would tiptoe quietly to my dad's room to the side of his bed And no matter how late it was, he would always be awake like he was waiting for me. It was weird. Asking me what was wrong. It wasn't until I became a parent that I realized that the slightest footfall is one that parents are attuned to. And vigilant parents know when their children are about. When I thought of this memory, it occurred to me that we are never on the outside trying to barge in for bread. Because in the family of God, those who belong to him are already on the inside, trusting that he will give us good things. The best part is that he gives us his very self, always being there when we need him. Jesus teaches us here that we can have great confidence in the father that he came to represent. His message is that God's care for those he created is complete. Life is such that each one of us come today with hard circumstances, wondering how they're going to work out. And each of us have come depending on God in some ways and also depending on ourselves. And sometimes when we depend on ourselves, it takes a toll. And we feel burdened. And we feel alone. So we cry out, Lord, teach us how to pray. Prayer can do so many things, but mostly it keeps us dependent on the God who made us. And it builds our relationship, which he gave so much for us to have. So, if you come talk to me about what's going on in your life, we're going to pray that you will learn to depend more on God for everything that you are and everything that you face. And you can pray that for me as well.
Because it's what Jesus modeled, and it is what life in God's kingdom is about. Let's take some time in silence.